0: You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. Well, I want to welcome you to our 13th lesson in this Management of Life series. We've been looking through the Bible, seeing how to manage our life much better than we do. We repent of our sins, we ask Jesus to be the Lord of our life, we're born again. Okay, then what? Okay, then what, then what happens? Too many times the church leaves us right there. We get saved and confess our sins and get born again, okay, pat you on the back. Okay, wait, what happens now? Now what do we do? Well, we begin a lifetime of putting off the old nature and putting on the new nature. We, we begin a lifetime of taking every thought captive to the obedience of christ we begin a lifetime of renewing our mind and all of this requires management it requires us to manage our life we've been looking at the dictionary definition of the word manage and it says to exert control over that's what manage means and I'm just telling you, you got to exert control over your flesh. You, you just have to. You have to exert control over the flesh. Something happens, and I mean you want to tell somebody off. Something happens, and you want to throw a fit. I mean, something happens, and you want to get mad. I mean, you, you got to exert control over that old nature and your old nature's thoughts all the time. Well, it's, it's, it's really beneficial for us to learn from other people. You know, you can just watch and pay attention. Watch other people. You know, I've seen people make decisions. I've seen people go in certain directions, and what a mess their life was. I've watched that happen. Well, it'd be foolish for me to go and do exactly what they did. I'm not going to follow that path because I see where that path takes you because I've sat on the sidelines and I've watched. You know, I've seen decisions that people made. I've seen direction that people gone. And, wow, what a blessed life. I mean, they're blessed. Their marriage, their home, their family, their life, their finances, their health. I mean, they just live a blessed life. Okay? Then I want to do what they did. You don't have to, in life, reinvent the wheel every single day. You don't have to make the same mistakes that you see others making. Learn and watch people watch what goes on, so I'm not going to do that. that does never work out. Well, I see fruit, and I want to manage my life in a certain way that that is the result in my life. As we look at people in the Bible, we learn from them, and, and we just you, we have to look at David, at King David, uh, I mean, the only one in all of Scripture to be called a man after God's own heart. David is mentioned more than any other Old Testament character in the New Testament. From a very humble shepherd boy beginning to the highest position of the land, well, obviously we gotta look at David. Let's, what can I learn from this guy? Now, I, I like to look at David especially for the fact that he's, he's far from perfect. I mean, whenever you look at his life, I mean, you see lies, you see adultery, you see a cover-up, you see murder. I mean, my goodness, yet God calls him a man after his own heart. Here's what you need to know. God will use mightily imperfect people. And the devil wants to tell you all the time, you have blown it too bad for God to use. Look at what you've done in your life. See, you have let this happen, you've let that happen. God can't use you because of look at your past. I'm encouraged when I read David because I see a guy that's very imperfect. Uh, He wasn't the tallest, he wasn't the best looking, he wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer, yet God chose him. And so that brings encouragement to me. All right, let's go back and set the stage here. God had appointed judges To oversee his people and you read in your Bible there's a book called judges it covers the period of time where God used judges to work with and to minister to and to protect and lead and guide his people and that's what God wanted to set up Samuel was the last of the period of the judges he was getting old it was time for the next judge and Samuel's boys were just a disaster. They, they clearly were not the man for the job. So in 1 Samuel chapter 8, we read about the people chanting, demanding, we want a king like all the other nations. Now, uh, let, let's look at this for just a minute. We want a king like all the other nations. Now, Samuel comes out and, and he warns them about wanting to be like all the other nations. Well, y'all know the story. They rejected God as their king and they wanted to have a king that was over them like all the other nations. I, I just I, I, I want to talk about this a minute. We, we've got to get a hold of this because there is such a drive to be like heathens. And, and it doesn't from individuals to nations. Come on America, wh- wh- what are we doing right now? There's nothing about socialism that has ever, never, not ever, not one time ever, never, has any nation been blessed under that form of government. Not in any area, not in their food supply, not in their freedom, not in their health care. not in their lifestyle, not, not any time in history have people been better off under that form of government, yet here we are. We want to be like other nations. Are you kidding me? First Samuel talks about this very thing. We got the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jezebites. They were horrible civilizations. We're talking about cannibals. We're talking about eating their own children. I, I, can't, I can't even begin to describe the abomination of these heathenistic nations far from being blessed by God, never walking in God's blessing, yet God's people wanted to be like them. you got to be kidding me. Read 1 Samuel. My gosh, it's like it was written this morning. Why would a blessed nation want to be like another nation that that is clearly under a curse. And it's the same for individuals. It's the same for individuals. Young people, let, let, let me just talk to you for a minute. Let me just tell you, alcohol has never done anything great for an individual. We don't have anybody that says, I owe my 60 years of great marriage to my alcoholism. I, I, I've had 50 wonderful years of marriage. And it's because I was on cocaine and my wife and I, we did cocaine together on a regular basis. And man, what a blessed life. we! I, I just, let me tell you, I owe all of my success to a party life. We just partied every weekend and my wife and I just, we, we, we grew so close. My kids adored us. We were great parents, we've got kids that just adore us, and we just owe it all to a, a good party life. Yet, teenagers in a Christian church, in Christian school, want to go out and be like the other kids who are destroying their life. There's nothing new, sin nature is sin nature. And it's whether it's in this day, today, right now, or whether it was when 1 Samuel was written It sounds like it was written today. Here we are. We want to be like heathen nations. we got to manage the desire to be like somebody else. Now, if you got this desire and you want to look to be like somebody else, well, then why don't we want to be like somebody who's blessed? Why do we want to be like somebody who is on a downward spiral destroying their life? The United States... In the history of the world without argument has been the most blessed the most prosperous nation in the history of the world and we want to change our form of government to be like who all of you individuals all of you teenagers you want to be like who you just can't wait to get out of the house and get on your own so you can be like who I mean what are you thinking What in this world are you thinking? God had a plan for Israel, yet they wanted to be like other nations. So it says God gave them a king. That scares me spitless. That right there scares me spitless. I wish God would say, no, 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 no. That's dumb, nope, 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 not doing that. Over here, here's what you're going to do. But what scares me spitless is they wanted to be like all the other nations. They wanted a king, and so God said, go ahead. I wish he wouldn't do that. I wish he'd grab me by the shirt and go, nope, nope, over this way. But no. See, I don't know if that scares you. It scares me. God's, okay, I want to go out and party. Oh, hey. I, man, I want to go out and just, I'm just tired of being confined to this church. I want to live it up. Just go get you a belly full of that. We'll see you when you're eating with the pigs. I mean, we've read the story. Now, this this gets me. God said, go ahead. So, they got King Saul. It didn't work out. Shock. Can you believe it didn't work out? So, we read in chapter 16, God told Samuel, look, enough of Saul. We're done with him. Go to Jesse's house. I'm going to show you which one of his sons. Now, you can read all of this in 1 Samuel 16, 17. Samuel goes to Jesse's house to anoint one of his sons to be the next king. So Jesse's got all of his sons lined up. Samuel, Sam, now, okay, you're the dad. Here comes the J. He's going to anoint one of your sons to be the king. Line them up, brush your teeth. Get them up. Get them up. They're all in a line. So saying, oh, yeah, this got to be. God says, nope. Okay, well, let's Nope. He gets to the last son, and God said, no, not any of these. And so Samuel asked the dumbest question in the history of the world Are these all of your boys? Now, what dad would not have all of his boys right there? I mean, ready to roll. Oh, yeah, no, no, they're not all the boys. I got one. Little old snotty-nosed kiddies out there with sheep. Sammy says, I'm not moving until you go get him and bring him here. Whew. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about that for any length of time or not. But now, if you're David, put that scenario in your head. Now, just think that scenario. Oh, Samuel's coming. He's going to anoint somebody to be king. Oh, you, you. Oh, you go out and take care of the sheep. Okay, now, you're talking about overlooked by your own father. How do you deal with your father don't think a whole lot of you? You're talking about favor his tall and good-looking son and sends you out not to even meet the man. Okay, I'm not buying for king, but can I just get a picture made with him? Can I get his autograph? No. You go out there and take care of those sheep. All I'm telling you is, if that happened today, David would have been a lifetime in therapy. He would have been seeing his therapist on Tuesday and Thursday at 10 o'clock for the rest of his life. He would have never held down a job because of what happened to him growing up. He would have had severe mental issues and been all ki- he would have been on all kinds of mental medication. If it, think about this. If it, David right here is a therapist gold mine. I got $125 an hour coming from this clown for the rest of his life. He'll never get over this. We'll have to, we're going to have to talk on my couch about how his dad rejected him for, from now on. David kept his heart right. Regardless of the fact that he had a horrible father who totally overlooked him, David kept his heart right, out tending the sheep. When God comes looking for someone to use, where will he find you? With a great attitude, out on your job, or laying on a couch of a therapist talking about how much you hate your dad? I mean, where is God going to find you? Being faithful to what you were assigned to do? Or being consumed with bitterness and hate towards what was done to you at an early age? Uh, we're just talking about managing our life here. And I want you to know there will always be an excuse for you not to keep a job. Not to be on time at work, not to do what you're asked, not to have a good attitude, not to have a... There's always an excuse because somebody somewhere did you wrong. Come on, we're going to have to manage our heart. What a lesson for us in life. Manage your heart. All right, we've got to see this. Chapter 16, Samuel anoints David to be the next king. Then what happens? They march out with pomp and circumstance, put a crown on his head. He'll be the next king of Israel. Okay, David goes back out and takes care of the sheep. Now, we know this because in the next chapter, in chapter 17, when he goes out to check on his brothers, his brother said, what are you doing out here? How come you're not tending the sheep? Remember, in 16, I'm anointed to be king. See, he doesn't even bring that up. So obviously, after he was anointed to be the king, he goes back out and taking care of the sheep. It's just interesting to put all that together in your mind. I just read that and I just sit there in my office staring at the Bible going, look at this sequence of events. Now we got to see this. Here's what you do in life when you're waiting on God to bring about all that you have in your heart to do. See, what do you do while I'm waiting on God? See, God's got some things for me. God's got some things in my future. I sense that. I, I, I've, I've experienced that. Samuel came in and said that about me. But in the meantime, you get up and go to work. You get up and go to work and you do what you're told to do to the best of your ability. And you get up and you go to work and honor a guy who totally rejected you. Boy, you gotta think about the way David managed his heart in this situation. You're going to have things in your life that God puts in your heart, and and you're gonna know some things that your future holds, but the time is not yet for those. Okay, what do you do? You get back to the sheep. I got a job, I've got responsibilities, And God, when you're ready for this king deal or any of this other stuff, I'll be out taking care of the sheep. You call me, let me know when it's time. But in the meantime, I'm going to be out working hard and doing what I've been told to do. See, David was not just doing nothing, waiting on God. I almost cringe when I say, hey, what you doing? I'm just waiting on God. That that just gets me all jumpy on the inside. Because what usually that means is, I ain't doing nothing. Don't, don't be lazy and irresponsible in doing nothing and tell me that you're waiting on God. See, while you're waiting on God, get a job. While you're waiting on God, go to school. See, while you're waiting on God, get plugged into church and serve the church. See, look at what David did After Saul anointed him to be king, in that period of time that he's waiting on God, he's working his fingers to the bones, being responsible, being on time, doing all that he knows to do, protecting the sheep, taking care of the sheep. See, David didn't have to exalt himself. David didn't have to advance himself. David didn't have to push himself. You just manage your heart. You manage your heart. And God will bring about all that he has for you. You just keep a right heart. You stay working hard. You stay responsible. And God will take care of making sure that you get at the right place at the right time to do what he has for you to do. Second Chronicles 16.9 For the eyes of the Lord, they move to and fro upon them, all the earth, looking to find a heart that is completely his. Keep your heart right. Don't let anger Don't let bitterness, don't let hate, don't let unforgiveness get a hold of your mind. Keep your heart right. We move into chapter 17 looking at David's life. And it is obviously the most familiar event in biblical history. That's David's battle with Goliath. And you can read this all in chapter 17. Most of you have heard countless sermons on David and Goliath. Well, Goliath, the giant, was really no big deal to David. And we've got to understand, how did David manage his thinking? This giant's out here taunting and got everybody scared. I mean, I want to get in the mind of David. And and this giant was no big deal to David because David had been out killing the bear and the lion. Y'all know how the story goes. I'm not going to teach on the story. But you're in, see, while David was out here all by himself, all by himself, he's killing a lion, he's killing a bear. Nobody even saw him do that. Then when the giant steps out, it ain't a big deal to him because look what I've been doing. Okay, here's what I'm telling you. You're in trouble when a giant steps out in your life And when you are all alone, you're on the porno channel. You're in trouble. See, you're in trouble when a giant steps out in your life. And while you're all alone and nobody's looking, here's what you've been doing. See, when David was all alone, he's killing lions and killing bears. When the giant steps out, boy, he's cranking his slingshot. See, it's what you do when you're by yourself that makes a difference in your ability to face the giants in your life. It's when you're by yourself that you win over the lines. No one's going to see you win over your thoughts. Nobody's even going to know your thoughts. But you win over your thoughts when you're by yourself. See, nobody knows the attitude that I started to get today. Nobody knows. But by myself, in my truck, I had to win over that attitude that was coming up inside me. Nobody knows that. Nobody saw that. See, you win over your bear that bear come see that was my mouth that was my temper see my temper started raising up inside me i could feel my neck start turn red nobody was with me but i won over that thing see you there there are battles in your day when you're by yourself that you have to win you have to win see it's not how well you do on sunday morning when you're in church it's not how well you do when you're around your Christian friends. Hi, brother. God bless you, brother. How are you? Blessed, oh, blessed. Praise the Lord. I could, I could care less about that. When you buy yourself what's on your computer. See, when you're by yourself, what TV show are you watching? See, when, you buy, when you're with non-Christian friends, what's your vocabulary? What's your language? Don't give me that, I'm blessed, brother. I want to know when you're by yourself, are you winning over your line? Are you winning over your bear? Because that will determine how you're able to stand up and face the giants when they step out in your life. Are you winning when nobody's watching you? Are you killing your lions and your bears? when nobody is around to see you see there's a plan for you you got to quit looking for big deal you got to quit looking for big people you got to quit looking for rich and famous and tall and good-looking the star You, you see you're just a nobody that just happens to be who God uses just some nobody little shepherd boy out here. That's who God uses. Okay, Don't look how tall they are. Don't look how handsome they are. Well, well we're not looking for how smart you are. We're not looking for somebody that's a big star. We're not looking for somebody that's a big name. We're looking for somebody that's got a right heart. We're looking for somebody that's not the most gifted, not the most handsome. Oh, surely this one's him. Oh, surely this one. No, 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 no. I'm looking for a man with a right heart. Um, God's looking for a man with the right heart. And that is determined by your victories when you're all by yourself. Well, Tim, I don't have a lion coming to steal my sheep. Oh yeah, you do every day. Your line is being on time with your schoolwork. See, your line oh Tim, I never had a bear attack my sheep. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you do. Every day the alarm goes off and you hit snooze. That just happens to be a bear for you. That just happens to be a bear for you. I don't know why, but you have to be. write it down. You're going to be 10 minutes late. You can just write it down. See, that's a line for you. You're going to be tardy every day. And we can already tell what students will be tardy tomorrow. We already know it. Why? Because they've been tardy the last three days. See, that is a line for you. That is a bear for you. And it is stealing your sheep. What is your sheep? Your benefit in life. See, what is your sheep? Your ability to make a living. What is your sheep? Your ability to prosper in life. And lions and bears are stealing those sheep. Well, I don't have a lion. Yeah, you do. It's your responsibility. It's laziness. It's always being late. It's always being late turning in your homework assignment. So you've got to kill those lions and you've got to kill those bears in life for you to be the one that God wants to use. God's not looking for talented, handsome. He's not looking for the stars, on the team, he's looking for somebody who knows how to win daily battles in your life. You overslept, all of us want to oversleep. Yeah, I was just too tired to do my homework. All of us are too tired to do our homework. Well, I didn't want to come tonight. Count me in, at least you get to sit there and sleep through this sermon. I got to stay awake through the dumb thing. I sure didn't want to come tonight. Come on, see, it's those who win those battles. See, I want to call in sick today really, really bad. i got to win over that battle. See, I've got to win over that battle. This thing came to steal my joy today, and I grabbed it by the beard, and I just killed it. See, this, came, this thing came to steal my peace today, and I grabbed my peace right out of its mouth. How do you become someone God uses? You kill your lions, you kill your bears, and you be faithful on your job when you're by yourself. You're not lucky in life. Your life is managed in such a way that good things happen for you. I had an uncle, all my growing up days that was a phenomenal golfer. I don't even, there's no end to the list of tournaments he won. I don't know how many times he was a state champion. He was countless times the senior state champion. He was just a phenomenal golfer. And you mentioned his name in Hot Springs Village. Anybody that's a golfer remembers my uncle. And, and my uncle would always say, I, and I remember him saying this a jillion times all my growing up. Oh, go- golf is just luck, just the luck of the roll. It ain't nothing, it's just luck. Oh, man, you want another tournament? It's always, it's just luck. You just got to get lucky on that green you got to get lucky on that putt you got to get lucky but you know it's the dangest thing he'd always say I've noticed the more I practice and the harder I practice the luckier I get now that was his saying it ain't nothing but luck I just lucked in and won that but you know the harder I practice just the luckier I get well that went into my head as a young kid Oh, oh you're just lucky you're just lucky well the harder you work See, you manage your life in such a way. Well, you were lucky you got the bid on that job. Well, you were lucky you got that promotion. Oh, you were lucky. Well, yeah, just a lucky break. But it's funny, the harder I work, the luckier I seem to get in life. See, it's called managing your life in such a way that the lucky breaks, as people call them, just happen for you. Come on. I was lucky or you were just blessed. You manage your life in such a way that you live blessed. I'm thinking about David out there in the middle of nowhere. Now, for those of you who don't know a whole lot about shepherding or herding sheep, at this day in time, the shepherds lived out there with the sheep. They didn't just go check on them on their four-wheeler during the day. They lived with them. Night and day, they lived with them, and they never did come back to town. You didn't leave those sheep unattended because a lion or a bear or a coyote, something would get them, and so you were literally living out in the middle of nowhere. Well, there weren't people all around because where people are all around, there's no grass for a sheep. Where do you take your herd? You take your herd where nobody else is. Nobody else is. There's not another bunch of shepherds out there. Why? Because I'm going to get my sheep where nobody is so they can graze here. So you're talking about a lonely life. David lived lonely. Lonely out there by himself. No fun out with sheep living very lonely. But it's very interesting do you think when Goliath stepped out and he started swinging that slingshot, that was the first time he had ever hurled a rock? No. Do you think he knocked every acorn out of every tree? Do you think he hit every sweet gum ball? Do you, I mean, there wasn't a fly that flew around his sheep that he. 500 bazillion times he swung that slingshot hitting and knocking stuff out. I know boys and I know slingshots. See, he didn't sit over there all depressed doing nothing. He managed his lonely time. Oh, this is really good. In the lonely times of your life is the times you prepare for the greatest challenges that there are ahead of you. But what happens to us in the lonely times of our life is when we unravel and fall apart and enter into a deep, dark depression. Come on, that's not a time for you to enter into depression. I'm just so lonely. Get you a slingshot. See, I'm just so lonely. Learn to paint, learn to build, learn to read, learn. See, just so lonely, David spent countless hours alone developing himself To the point that when a giant stepped out, all of Israel's army hid in fear. David was swinging that slingshot and says, come on over here. Get you some of this. See, he had managed the lonely times in his life. and, and, And we just can't seem to manage the lonely times in our life. Being lonely destroys us today. Now, on top of being lonely, let's go back you had to you got to know that the thought ran through his head that his dad forgot him. Now you have you got to know that that thought ran through his head about how his dad favored all of his brothers and totally forgot him. You had to know that that thought can you believe that? Sorry, blankety blank. Can you believe that uh, my deck that, that called him my dad, my, my blankety blank old man? You, you gotta know the out here by himself, a hatred is building in his heart, a bitterness is building in his heart, a story building in his heart about how sorry his dad is, how he did. De- hmm, Dave's got a great heart. Got a great heart. His dad, after doing what he did, his dad says, go tend the sheep. Yes, sir. Now, he's out there tending the sheep. If that's not enough, his dad sends for him and says, hey, I want you to go check on your brothers. Take this cheese and crackers. Go out there to the battle and check on them. You know what I'd have said? Go check on them your own dumb self. You want them checked on, you go check on them. I can still remember the day you did me in. Samuel came to visit, you left me up tending the sheep, I can tell you what you can do with the whole sheep herd, and your sons, and your cheese and crackers, and I'll tell you where to put all of it. David, go take care of you, go check on your brothers. Yes, sir. Now, who did he say yes, sir, to? He said yes, sir, to a dad who, you're talking about managing hatred, managing bitterness. Managing unforgiveness. I'm not reading anything into the story. I'm just telling you the way life works. Are y'all seeing this? Are you seeing this unfold? You forgot me when Samuel came. If you don't remember, let me just recall and refresh your memory. See this head? This was one anointed. Now you go jump my lake. Go check on your brothers. Yes, sir. I'll go right out there and check on them. Come on, look. At how David, even as a young boy, managed his life. What we've been teaching here in this series for the last four months is you have to manage your thoughts, You, you have to manage your tongue you you have to manage your actions and as we look at David's life I can just see scenario after scenario play out that David had to take that thought captive had to reel that thought in had to get a hold of his mind had to put on a good attitude and had to rise to the occasion had to rise to the occasion church I'm just telling you there's always always an excuse as to why you're falling apart and why your life is unraveling and why your woe is me. You've got, well, it was your dad. Well, my mom. Well, my brothers. Well, my... i mean, There's just an endless list of reasons you can feel sorry for yourself and unravel. Or you can manage your life. You can manage your life in the lonely times. You can manage your life when you're by yourself. And then... When God calls, when opportunity knocks, you're standing there swinging your slingshot with a smile on your face. Grab a hold of your life. Put off that old nature. Put on that new nature. Manage your life in such a way that God is pleased with you and God is able to bless everything that you put your hand to. Y'all stand. Well, we just thank you for word of direction to us. Lord, as we roll up our sleeves and manage our life, devil, you're not getting us not with dumb thoughts. You're not getting us with a bad attitude. Lord, we are managing our life, and devil, we're telling you to go somewhere else. We're managing our thoughts. We're managing our life, and God, we're going to see that you are well-pleased with our life. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.